coming up in this episode of Can You Believe It? All right, I'll see if I can just quickly find it here. You fuckers. <laughs> I said that before. It just yeah. not as good. <laughs> I, know, I know stuff. Yeah, I know you did. No, yeah, thank yeah. you. You nailed it. Uh, Thanks, guys. I think this is yeah. the, the second time that the Kraken has made an appearance in this podcast. Too, yes. Just like to say. yes. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's because crazy, this podcast it? is a Kraken magnet. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were fools in the skies, Illuminati's controlling your life. Can you believe it? Rob circles and Jesus toast. The time that kiss you fucked a ghost. Hello and welcome to Can You Believe It, a semi-regular podcast on the unexplained that asks the all-important question, can you believe it? My name is Matt Neal and I'm joined, as per usual, by extreme gardening enthusiast and the author of Wuthering Heights, The Colonel. Thanks for joining us, Colonel. Hello. I'm also joined by Brownlow Medal favourite and man who once owned a shovel, Brady Jones. Welcome, hey. Brady. You got it in the bag this year. Yeah, thank you. I'm feeling good. You know, just um, one game at a time. Uh, <laughs> one percenters. Yeah, yeah, the one percenters. <laughs> Always giving 110%. Yeah. Now, before we dive into today's tale of abhorrent absurdity, let's hear a message from our sponsor. Colonel? Uh, Today's sponsor is the good people at Glitter Fish Food, and they've asked me to read the following statement. Are your pet fish active, healthy, and contributing to society? If so, your beloved fin friends might be suffering from your inability to detect a common condition in fish known as plastic deprivation syndrome. Responsible fish owners now recognise that pet pet fish are missing out on all the artificial benefits of radioactive microplastics, various petroleum products and rusted car bodies that keep wild fish on their toes. Bring the science of real-world pollution into your aquarium and marvel as your kids learn a valuable lesson about life and death. There really isn't a substitute for our unique blend of fish barbiturates and trace metals that replicate the unnatural conditions in the wild. So put the skip back in the steps of your pet fish and experience the inconvenient truth of pollution today. Glitter fish food, because the planet's fucked. (laughs) Thank you, Glitter Fish Food, for being our sponsor this week on Can You Believe It? I will now read a story of the unexplained uh, and ask you whether you can indeed believe it. The story starts now. Christopher Fox is an American scientist. He went to the University of Tennessee, Knoxville in 1970, where he got a degree with honours in geology and earth science. From there, he went to Brown University and picked up a master's of science in geosciences. Now, officially Dr. Fox, he picked up some work with the US Geological Survey, quote, developing numerical simulations of geothermal reservoir dynamics. Sweet. So his name is Chris and he's a rock dude. Oh, I like him. <laughs> Dr. Rux. Chris Fox. Because Dr. Dr. Rux. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. In 1977, he began working with the US Naval Oceanographic Office as an oceanographer. While they're at Navo, uh, they have this weird acronym thing, but it's like Navo Oceano. I think is how you say it. <laughs> Nevo Shiano. I think Nav- I've had that, that uh, flavor of steak before. <laughs> Nav- Nav- Keanu's brother. Yeah. <laughs> Nevo Shiano. <laughs> Nevo Shiano. 
uh, based in St. Louis, Mississippi. Quote, he participated in a wide variety of studies, including the numerical modeling of seafloor microtopographic roughness and the development of automated cartographic mapping from multi-beam sonar systems. See, this is great. It's great that we had glitter fish food on board I know, for, I didn't for, this, for this ocean one. Didn't even think of it. I, I, I actually no. I assume that's why they came on board. Like, well, yeah, yeah, no. I let them know yeah. that we were doing a, you know, because they rang up and said, "Do you have any aquatic ones coming up soon?" Yeah, we and we're like, do? well, what a coincidence! Thanks mm. for calling. I'm glad someone has some idea of what the fuck's going yeah. on. <laughs> like, okay, yep. In 1985, <laughs> Dr. Fox transferred to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA, in Newport, Oregon, as a principal investigator, heading up a program exploring marine mapping, geophysics, and underwater acoustics. In 1994, he was awarded the Department of Commerce Gold Medal, and in 1996, one of his publications on the detection and response to a submarine volcanic eruption in the Juan de Fuca Ridge was selected as NOAA's outstanding scientific paper. And as we all know, acoustic guitars don't work underwater. Thank you. I think that was what the paper was on. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's uh, yeah. Thank you. I'm glad that that research was done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was an important study for... Uh yeah, for humans and, and mankind. So. It contributed at least 10% of the plastics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, you know, the, the... It's the nylon string guitars. You know, yeah, the, the underwater music stock market took a yeah. big hit yep. after that release. In 1997, Dr. Fox was in charge of the acoustic monitoring project at NOAA's Pacific Marine <laughs> Environmental Laboratory when a strange sound was detected. It came from a spot in the Pacific about 1,800 kilometres west of the southern end of South America. Latitude 50 degrees south, longitude 100 degrees west. Basically, it's in the middle of nowhere. And it was one of the loudest underwater sounds ever recorded. Yeah, so like the water, tra- uh, like sound travels really easily through water, right? Like, Not that's, necessarily. That's a thing. I think it it comes down, and this is me not being a dickhead anymore, but I think it comes down (laughs) to frequencies in terms of like, uh, like I think whale song, like if you were to like pull a whale out of water and get it to do that, it would probably be insanely loud. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. There's an experiment to try at home, kids. Yeah. (laughs) Go down. Get a whale. What what is it? Today, kids in class, we're going to beach a whale and and test its sonar capabilities. Something common, though, like a pilot whale, like mink, you know. Just get a, yeah. yeah, yeah. If you can get a southern whale. There's no need to get in trouble from the authorities is what I'm trying to say. Like, Just try and find one washed up somewhere. I feel like we need to have an understanding of- on the physics of sound moving through water for this particular okay. podcast. But Pause the recording so we can just do a little <laughs> like at least a week of research. Well, let's, <laughs> let's, let's just let's just do what we always do and just like have an you know educated couch guess. Okay. Know, like educated. <laughs> yeah. Well, uneducated couch. Right, guess, well, I do yeah. have some information here that may be of use. The sound was an ultra-low frequency, high-amplitude noise that increased in frequency over about a minute. It was loud enough to be detected over 5,000 kilometers away, which from where we are is basically to Jakarta, uh, Indonesia. That's wow. how far away it was detected. That wow. We are in southern, we're in Vic- southern Victoria. Yeah, so, right yeah. down the bottom. Um, so, it was detected 5,000 kilometers away by the Equatorial Pacific Ocean Autonomous Hydrophone Array, a system of underwater microphones positioned more than 3,000 kilometers apart that were originally set up during the Cold War in the 1960s to detect Russian submarines. Wow. 
the more you know. Hmm. This is fascinating. These microphones had recorded. This, well, I'm going to cover a lot of territory in this one because to fill this one out took a little bit of uh, a bit of effort. There are more sources for this one than any other one I've ever done. That's good. Okay, Don't. that means yeah. I believe it. Quality before we even finish. Yep. <laughs> These microphones had recorded lots of interesting sounds before, but never anything as loud or as unique as this sound. The sound is now known as the bloop, and it is the best known of a number of unidentified noises Noah recorded in 1997. There were also noises named train, upsweep, whistle, and slowdown. Also, in 1999, a strange unidentifiable sound nicknamed Julia was recorded. Please tell me you have some of these sounds cued for us to uh, I, listen. I don't, but I can oh, edit yes, them in no, at some you, point. Yeah, no, you what definitely- a, what No, a, I, I want to listen to them. Like, yeah, no, no. What a great auditory experience that we're offering the people not even have the sounds. I can yeah, edit it in yeah, for yeah, them, but on. I just don't want to have to do it for you, Let's we'll show you the sounds on our podcast. Yeah. Like- Let's just manufacture thinking? our responses. Hmm. <laughs> the, uh, there's, the a nice, there's a nice symbol oh, to that yeah, one. Oh, yeah, I, I like really it, like uh, that, that sound. Ooh, splashy. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll see if I can just quickly find it here. You fuckers. <laughs> you get hey, mad at us. Our, our, <laughs> yes. job, our job is to sit here and critique all the work that you've done. Yeah, yeah that's it. No. Yeah. Uh, We're doing you, our job. You, you do yours. Before? Okay. That was it. That was it. The blue? Yep. It's a bubble next to the microphone. There you go. That's how... That's it. But that is a sped up thing of it so that we can hear it at the frequencies. Right, right, okay. So... Back to the other one. So, Slow Down was recorded on May 19, 1997 and lasted for seven minutes, slowly decreasing in frequency over that period. Recorded on March 5, 1997, Train, when sped up 16 times to a frequency audible to human ears, was a semi-regular whistle, like a train. Julia, recorded on March 1, 1999, was so loud it was picked up by every hydrophone in the Pacific Array and lasted for 15 seconds. That is insane. As for the bloop... What you just heard, that is, it's sped up 16 times. So, it's at a frequency that we can hear properly. So, and it was, so that was over a minute. That was a minute of, of sound sped up so that we could hear it. Yeah, yeah. It was heard several times on the day it was first recorded. In a now famous interview with David Wolfman for New Scientist released in 2002, Dr. Fox suggested the bloop was a biological sound. Quote, Fox's hunch is that the sound nicknamed bloop is most likely to come from some sort of animal because its signature is a rapid variation in frequency similar to that of sounds known to be made by marine beasts, wrote Wallman. There's one crucial difference, however. In 1997, bloop was detected by sensors up to nearly 5,000 kilometers away. That means it must be far louder than any whale noise or any other animal noise for that matter. Is it even remotely possible that some creature bigger than any whale is lurking in the ocean depths? Or perhaps more likely, something that is much more efficient at making sound. Good you Good you Oh, God. Yeah. Um, wow, that's that's pretty insane, though. Um, it's a kaiju. It's it's like a, like a, a Mothra, a, a Godzilla, a Leviathan of the Deep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I just, I think this is fascinating. I mean, in terms of just also like how little we know about what's really happening in the ocean. 
and it's just a whole lot of fucked up noise. <laughs> it's a great mixtape. Quote, in my mind, the suggestion of huge ocean creatures raises a vision of giant squid. There are no confirmed sightings of giant squid in the wild. This is still part of the quote from 2002, mm-hmm. I just want to point out. Uh, Though dead ones have washed up on beaches and whales sometimes bear telltale sucker-shaped scars. Quote, within the quote, we don't have a clue whether they make noise or not, says Fox. Mm. So, the notion of a giant sea creature, potentially bigger than a blue whale, is not a new one. But this was tantalizing scientific evidence that seemed to back the theory, as opposed to centuries-old tall tales from drunken or crazed sailors. (laughs) Here was a well-credentialed scientist suggesting sea monsters could be real. Ooh. Wow. Can I just quickly, uh, have you guys heard this st- of this before? Yes. You, you have, Colonel. Do yeah. you know the answer? Do you know what is making this sound? Uh, okay, I'm going to run through a heap of theories in this, but I'm- I feel like I have come across it and it's it's mundane and disappointing, but- um, That's yeah, good. I, We've I, just I, lowered I, everyone's expectations, yeah. which is really I, good. Please keep listening to the episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you shouldn't have asked me that question. <laughs> <laughs> no, guys, stick around and listen to the end for the really mundane explanation. Uh, it's so, merman. <laughs> just hold on to your hats. When Dr. Fox made his suggestion that the origin of the bloop was biological, he may have been influenced by the story of the 52 Hertz whale. Ooh, what's this? This was another case of a strange, previously unknown sound believed to have come from an animal, and a case Dr. Fox was surely aware of, seeing as how it was a sound recorded by Noah using the same hydrophones used to record the bloop. In 1989, a sound believed to be that of a whale was detected in the Pacific Ocean off the coast of North America. It matched a whale song, but the frequency of the call, 52 hertz, was unlike any whale call ever recorded. Blue whale calls sit around 10 hertz and 40 hertz. Fin whales are 16 hertz to 40 hertz. And humpback whales are 80 hertz to 4,000 hertz, although recently they've been detected as low as 40. But 52 hertz was and is unheard of for a whale call. And from 1992, for more than 12 years, scientists tracked this call up and down the Pacific coast between Mexico and Alaska every autumn and winter. So, it is a biologic, uh, well, it, well, it's moving and that's all you can confirm The from 52 that. hertz one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. because they call it a 52 hertz whale, I'm assuming it's, it could it's be not a, a boat. Yeah. It still could be a boat because <laughs> it's- No, it still could be because all you can say from that is that the the source of the sound is, is moving. You can't say that it's biological because- it, I, matched, it, said it matched a whale song, all but for the frequency. Yeah, I think this is just going to be a whale that's like maybe had something with its like vocal cords. Yeah, or, I was thinking yeah. that or maybe some kind of interference in the recording of it, meaning that it's recorded a different frequency or... Mm. No, I... I, I, I maybe would, just couldn't get a good take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once more with feeling. <laughs> According to a research paper by Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution, no other calls with similar characteristics have been identified in the acoustic data from any hydrophone system in the North Pacific Basin. Only one series of these 52 hertz calls has been recorded at a time with no call overlap, suggesting that a single whale produced the calls. The calls were recorded from August to February, uh, with most in December and January. The species producing this call, these calls is unknown. Mm. 
Some people speculate the whale is a new species or perhaps a hybrid blue whale. There is also a suggestion that many idiosyncratic whale songs have been recorded and that this might be a whale trying to stand out. Other theories include the whale being malformed or maybe even deaf. Um, and that was a theory that actually came from um, people in the deaf community who heard about this and sort of striking a, a, a note with them in some way. And they went, hang on, this could be an explanation, So, I th- which I find fascinating. Yeah. Mm. Um, whatever the truth, the notion that this is a one of a kind, uh, that this is one of a kind has led to the 52 hertz whale being dubbed the loneliest whale in the world. So, this precedent of a unique whale song probably helped spur Dr. Fox's suggestion that the bloop was biological. Couple this with the fact that, according to NOAA, somewhere between 80 and 95% of the ocean is unmapped, unobserved, and unexplored. I said that before, just not as good. (laughs) (laughs) I know know stuff. I know you did. No, thank you. You nailed it. Thanks, guys. And then there are sea creatures which have lived unobserved for long periods of time, such as the... Uh, now, I always get this wrong. Is it the colacanth or solacanth? Colacanth? The coelacanth. Coelacanth? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I should have written down a prompt for that, but... The coelacanth, we'll go with yours, which were thought to have died out 66 million years ago, but were rediscovered swimming off the coast of South Africa in 1938. And the giant squid, which wasn't photographed in the wild until 2004 and considered somewhat mythic until the latter half of the 19th century. So, and, uh, re- rest in peace, the photographer who took those photos. <laughs> um, coelacanth, what's that? It's a fish. Uh, it's an armor-plated fish that looks basically like a dinosaur fish, like what you would imagine a dinosaur right. fish is. Yeah, yeah. That's what a coelacanth is. But so it's only like a small kind of- No. It's, no, it's not it's huge. like this big. Is it? I yeah. thought it would have been like- So, like, that's about, about a meter. Easily the shoulder length of a man, if not double. Really? Like, yeah. yeah, they're I thought big it would have, fish. I thought it was yeah. like half a meter, probably. No, like, like not as big as like a groper. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like about More half of a, a grouper. This is, <laughs> this is part of the thing. The fish was this big and it's- Look, just Google it and <laughs> look it up and it is a savage looking fish. That's the kind of fish that you don't want to meet in a dark alley if mm. fish were in dark alleys. Mm. Yes. And probably best to have thought that it was it was dead for 66 million years. Um, yeah. <laughs> the news of the bloop and Dr. Fox's speculation of its animal origins started to gain attention. A number of possible candidates were put forward, including the giant squid, which was yet to be photographed in the wild at the time that the bloop was recorded in 1997. Now, despite being uh, first written about back in the time of Aristotle in the 5th century BC and being a staple of Norse mythology, where it was known as the Kraken, giant squids circa 1997 were one of the least studied creatures on the planet. By 1850, only a dozen specimens were properly recorded from the previous three centuries, and it wasn't until 1870 that the creature's existence was established beyond doubt. Mm. So, pretty recent. Yeah, in the scheme of things. We're still getting it, you know, we're still not yet to see the complete picture by 1970. I think this is yeah. the, the second time that the Kraken has made an appearance in this podcast. Too, yes. Just like to say. Yes. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's because crazy, this podcast it? is a Kraken magnet. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, but like in terms of the giant squid, because I'm pretty sure like they've been washing up on New Zealand beaches for ages, but there's just been no proof that they live in the wild. 
So, I mean, what they just thought they were creatures that lived on the beach. Yeah, yeah well, totally. Like they <laughs> or just, just got like man by someone like, fell out of the sky. Yeah, yeah. Damn hobbits. <laughs> um, as for being the source of the bloop, Boston University marine biologist Phil Lobel cautiously suggested it couldn't be a candidate. Cephalopods have no gas-filled sac, so they have no way to make that type of noise. Though you can never rule out anything completely. In fact, Lobel backed the biological theory, despite being relatively confident it wasn't a squid. So this is a marine biologist who is on board that it is an animal at this yeah, point. And it's right, not a so squid. That's that's two noted actual mm-hmm. marine biologists who have Well, one's a marine acoust- underwater sound guy acoustician and <laughs> yeah. geologist underwater acoustician yeah Ooh. underwater dave matthews <laughs> <laughs> which is where dave matthews should belong oh. i take oh, that back. controversial the giant squid theory was acknowledged by bob uh, ziak the manager of the acoustic program for noah Quote, I hesitate to say these things because I don't think it's very helpful in the science discussion, but it was considered possibly of animal origin, and one idea that was floated out there was the idea that it was a giant squid, Ziak said. Hmm. Another suggestion was that it could be have, could have been a hitherto unknown species of whale. In 2010, a mother and calf spade-toothed beaked whale washed up on a beach in New Zealand. This was known as the rarest ra- uh, rarest whale in the world because it was the first time marine biologists had seen a full specimen of the mammal, despite knowing of its existence for 140 years. How wow. do you know of, his, of its existence without confirming the body? That is a good question. Um, seen in the wild repeatedly, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Maybe photographed in the wild, but- You're Probably a uh, better chance for the whale because, you know, it's breathing air that it's going to be seen mm, yeah. at some point on the surface, but- I suppose, yeah, like uh, you'd be looking, uh, like going, driving along in, driving along, uh, boating along in a boat- uh, and and seeing <laughs> seeing a sailing uh, well, yeah, I don't know. Do you sail without us without us? No, we, we're going off on a tangent here. But observing a whale from a distance, like on a boat, on a moving mm. boat, it'd be pretty pretty difficult to identify what species of whale that is. So I just well, I've just yeah. read back, and it does specify a full specimen. So it's possible they had jaws or, or the yeah, remains yeah, from yeah. another animal that it, maybe uh, yeah or uh, a partial skeleton. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a possibility. As recently as 2019, a new species of beaked whale was discovered in Japan, although this is not believed to be the 52 hertz whale. The idea of a new kind of whale became a favoured theory because the biggest creature that has ever lived is the blue whale. And some analysis of the bloop suggested that if the sonic proportions of a blue whale were followed, the creature responsible for the bloop would have to be 10 times the size of a blue whale or 250 metres long. Mind you, others say it could be mega whale. Some say it could be seventy-five meters long, so three times the size of a blue whale, and still make that sound. Whoa! That god damn! That is a lot of. That's a lot of whale. That's a lot of perfume. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Still, some zoologists noted that animals such as pistol or snapping shrimps and howler monkeys make sounds disproportionate to their size. 
new species of marine animals are discovered all the time. So it was posited that the creature responsible for the bloop need not be gargantuan like a blue whale or a giant squid, but could be something smaller and undiscovered. The tiger pistol shrimp is considered to be one of the loudest animals in the world, capable of generating sounds in excess of 200 decibels with its claws, which it uses to shoot stun bubbles at its prey. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, like, a, like smash your fish tanks and stuff like that. 200 like, decibel. That is insane. What like That's, in- that's louder than a, a plane taking off. Oh, my God. Isn't there like another shrimp that, that generates a, uh, is it a punch or something like that? Uh, that has like a, a temperature, like it's it's so fast and hard that it's like a, well, like no, a it's thermal just, nuclear. Yeah, like- it's just so quick that it um it has like a thermal reaction to yeah. it. Yeah, I've seen something about that. That's um, yeah, fascinating. You could say it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Punchy shrimps. Don't all laugh at once, thank you. <laughs> they're laughing at home, listening in their cars. <laughs> no, they're not, because I'm not. I'm the cue. <laughs> <laughs> Brady's not laughing it's not worth laughing <laughs> shut up <laughs> the bloop also triggered some less grounded theories uh, particularly from fans of American horror fiction writer H.P. Lovecraft these fans delighted in noting the origin point of the bloop is less than 2,000 kilometres from Ralier a fictional lost city that first appeared in Lovecraft's short story The Call of Cthulhu which was first published in 1928 Cthulhu? Cthulhu. 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 Yeah, I think that's the... I mean, they're made-up names. It's like Mjolnir. You know, you can say it however you want. It's a made-up name. No, I think Mjolnir, actually, though... Yeah, Mjolnir is it, like it's, a thing, yeah. Because it's from Norse mythology. It comes from... Like, it has a Scandinavian pronunciation to it yeah. that they've had for But it's still made thousands up, of years. isn't it? It's still made up. I just take the literal, like, the phonetic Majolna. <laughs> Cthulhu. So, Cthulhu Majolna. That's, that's a D&D character. In that story, Rolye was said to be the home of the ancient deity Cthulhu, whose return had been foretold. Cthulhu was said to be a giant winged creature with a squid-like head that was around 40 metres tall. Wow. So, there's your bloop. Interestingly... Rolier and the origin of the bloop sound also happen to be close to a spot known as the Oceanic Pole of Inaccessibility, or Point Nemo, as it's sometimes known. Point Nemo. This is the place in the ocean that is farthest from land, the so-called middle of the ocean. It lies more than 1,600 kilometres equidistantly from three far-flung islands. To the north is the Ducey Island, which is one of the... uh, is Ducey Island, which is one of the Pitcairn Islands. Uh, to the northeast is Motunui, which is one of the Easter Islands, and to the south is Ma Island off the coast of Antarctica. All right, so like I'm gonna I'm, like pitch this idea to you as a TV show, like celebrity survivor, uh, <laughs> shipwrecked, like put them in the worst possible place in the world to be shipwrecked, and then watch them survive on the ocean. Uh, on the ocean floor. Yeah. What, like just, what, like just drop them at Point Nemo in the ocean and they're 1,600 k's away from land? No, well, you give them a raft and, <laughs> and some supplies, you know, maybe like a shovel and or something like that, you know, to whack away the sharks. Like, you know, you've got to make it interesting, but that's a show. Imagine like after two weeks, they just run out of episodes because they've actually lost track. They don't know where everyone. it is. Yeah, yeah. celebrity, yeah. celebrity, get get me out of here and off this raft or yeah, something. Yeah, man. They lose track of it and it rocks up at the Pitcan Islands months later and there's only one of them left on there looking quite plump. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I had to heat Denise Drysdale. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best deep dive for a random Aussie celebrity I've ever heard. Uh, in fact, Point Nemo is so far from land that the nearest humans to it are often astronauts in the International Space Station, which is orbiting the Earth at a distance of around 400 kilometers. Wow. This isolation has led to the region being used as a graveyard for decommissioned spacecraft. Oddly, more people have suggested the bloop comes from within the Earth, Cthulhu style, as opposed to coming from outer space. Hang on, there's a spot where we just dump our unused spacecraft. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not even that amazed. Like in terms of like how wasteful uh, we just are. Dump yeah, this here. There's that fucking uh, shuttle. A few like. months ago, I was reading that like everything that you've ever touched is still somewhere. You know, like there's like in terms Whoa. of garbage and rubbish and things like that. Spacecraft, like it doesn't just like fuck off. Well, I guess that's true right down to and a molecular do- level. You and know? also they yeah. don't want to hold an ice block, you know, at water, but then that water absorbs into your body. And you know, they like- le- leave it floating in space and it becomes space junk that you can that the International Space Station could crash into and, yeah. or, you know, damage the hundreds and hundreds of satellites that are up there. Yeah. So, you've got to put it somewhere. So, they, yeah, they ditch them into the ocean. Happens <laughs> happens often. And um, they use this point the most because it's so far from land. But there's often places, times where they've ditched stuff into, like, even outback Australia uh, mm. and, you know, Siberia, you know, you know the de- deserts, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, generally when you ditch like a large unused man-made product, like a boat or a submarine or, you know, a, a satellite or something like that in this particular case, it generates uh, an environment around it. They it deliberately provide shelter and, around and coastal and areas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah loads of artificial reefs. Like, yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. Creates opportunity for life. <laughs> See, this is like pollution, giving back to the environment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. <laughs> can I just say that I am I am genuinely surprised that in all my research in this, I didn't come across anyone saying that it had come from outer space. That a creature came from outer space, landed in the ocean, and made the blue. Wow. And I'm really disappointed in the internet for this. Like, mm. come on. So our NASCAR is turned into I'm sure a, it's a been, straight yeah. line. Yeah, uh, I'm sure it's yeah. been posited that it's like an underwater UFO. Like underwater UFOs is is a thing that people talk I about. have not seen. I could not find any. I'm sh- it's got to be out there. It's yeah. like rule 34. But, you know, it's there's the, I just could not easily find someone who's like, yeah, it's aliens in like, this case. Isn't rule 34 if it exists, there's porn of it? Yeah. <laughs> Why is that using? That's his benchmark. <laughs> every- yeah, the rule thirty-four of there's, there's oh, hydrophone porn of no 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 no. The rule aliens. thirty-four of like paranormal research is that someone, whatever crazy theory you can think of, someone has posited that theory in a serious way. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I, I yeah, right. I, I can see that application of rule thirty-four. Thank you. Here. Yeah, it's an it's a mm. you know so like a subsection B kind of thing. Subsection like, or, B. Yeah. 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 Uh, While it's easy and perhaps logical to dismiss Raoye and Cthulhu as works of fiction, there are some that consider Lovecraft's writings to be true insights into dark magic. Believers included author William S. Burroughs uh, and former secretary to Alistair Crowley, Kenneth Grant. Yeah, William S. Burroughs was as mad as a cut snake Mm. and a massive drug addict. I'm not sure Alistair Crowley was uh, real. Well, yeah, so, and someone who worked Alistair as a secretary Crowley. for Alistair Crowley. Oh, I don't yes. know that you're yeah, making well, the best life you choices. Don't put that yeah. on your resume. So, like. so a follower <laughs> of yeah. a crazy man. Okay. Plus a number of cultists and fans inspired by the book of dark magic, the Necronomicon that Lovecraft himself inspired. 
Other theories have come from TV network Animal Planet, who tried to link the bloop to mermaids in one of its fake mermaid documentaries. I've seen that. But that just made people angry. Yeah, and you know what? Like, the saddest thing about that ridiculous, like, fake documentary is that people, uh, in, when, when it was uh, aired on TV in America, people believed it. Yeah. Like, certain people believed that they discovered mermaids well, for, for real. Uh, look, just to play devil's advocate for stupid people here, but <laughs> if, you're, if you're watching Animal Planet- Yes- you you expect that what is being told to you has some element exactly, of truth. Exactly, yes. it's the most irresponsible thing. Yeah, a, a, when a Animal Planet could do when Animal Planet do it and History Channel do it, it is it is irresponsible. Discovery Channel, yeah, Discovery, one yeah, it. they do it all the time, and it is downright irresponsible. Unless you were going to preface it, and but even still, why do a fake doco? Forget about yeah. like forget about that, and just think about the money. Oh, it makes yeah, me angry. That's disgusting. Angry, I tell you. Yeah, pull your fucking head in, Animal Planet. (laughs) Far more serious observers suggested the bloop was evidence of Megalodon, which coincidentally uh, coincidentally appeared in the Animal Planet's Mermaid doco. Oh, Oh, yeah. We we, we need to do an episode on Megalodon because I I actually have a personal story that, you know, about- You know him. About a Megalodon. Yeah, like like a family, like, story about the Megalodon. I, I don't want to go into the story- like of the Megalodon. We'll save that for, for the podcast, but yeah. Megalodon's a cool man. I'm enticed. Yeah. You, I, know, you know Big Donnie. Well, the, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know the Big Don personally uh, myself, okay. but yep. another family member had yeah. apparently you will seen- do his bidding though. Seen a Don, <laughs> a, a Meg even, oh. in the wild. Mm. So- the prehistoric shark became extinct around 3.6 million years ago, but some cryptozoologists believe it still exists <laughs> and is a prime candidate for the source of the bloop. It's great that, like, cryptozoologists, uh, you know, like, put forward as having, like, the fact that you have cryptozoologists attached to your name gives you some kind of, like, credibility, but it actually doesn't because it- it's not an actual field <laughs> yeah. of study. Serial masturbators believe that. <laughs> 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 I think there is a, there is a real stream of cryptozoology, but where they're looking at uh, recently extinct animals or well, that's just biology. I guess like so. the study of well, it's of just the it was wild. zoology. It's zoology. Yeah, but, well, mm, it's zoology. Yeah. Um, Megalodon is believed to have been between eighteen meters and twenty five meters in length at the most, or three times larger than a great white shark, and at its outer limits, as big as a blue whale potentially. But they don't make noises, sharks. They don't, like, bellow, like, you know. Maybe like- they did four million years ago. No, but, but like, the their ancestors that we live with now. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's, that is a good point. <laughs> so, while cryptozoologists hold out- Okay, so I uh, have toyed with doing a Megalodon episode, but- there's so little evidence out there. Like, mm. there's not much at all, really. And so, while cryptozoologists hold out hope that a megalodon still exists, there is no credible non-anecdotal evidence to suggest this is the case. There is no footage. There are no photos. Uh, every And most stories are not verified by other people. Can you, now that you've said that we're not mm. going to do an episode, can you just tell the story? 
No, well, no, we, we no, we have to do, we have to do an episode. Like, we, I yeah. think, it, I think I know what you're talking about. And there's a a, a beast off the coast of of Southern Victoria. Yeah, that yeah, is yeah. worthy of doing. Okay. So that's that's different though, because that's I've never heard anyone say it's megalodon though. Yeah, Which neither. You're, just- you're now throwing that into the mix. No, I'm. So, I, yeah, well, I, I don't want to say too much more because I want to, you know, leave it for keep your powder for dry. For, yep, yep, I'm not going to say anything. Sorry, Brady. No, <laughs> he That's doesn't. It. He doesn't yeah, accept I your refuse. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another suggestion for the bloops origins include secret underwater military exercises or weapons tests. Yeah, plausible. Uh, sonic plausible. weapons have been used in the past twenty years at least. It's the only way we can really get to the core of the mermaid city, like to bomb them, <laughs> is if we experiment with you know underwater. Yeah, yeah. Sonic what, bombs? If, what if Atlantis attacks? You know, sonic weapons. Uh, no, but no one has come forward with any evidence to suggest the creation of these weapons is linked to the bloop. Can you believe it? I've given uh, you lots of potential options to believe in there. So, any of them that seem more credible than others, perhaps. Uh, I mean, I like the um, like weapons testing or something like that. Like, I think it's. I don't I don't believe that it's uh, a biological sound as much as it's like something we've done. Because mm. if you were to test something, you'd do it at like this Point Nemo, like the furthest place from yeah. any land. And I mean, we have a track record of not really giving much of a fuck of what happens in the oh, ocean. Oh yeah, we'll just do that like in your backyard. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, we like still we're, yeah. We're, do like, seismic testing. Yeah, you like know, atomic yeah. bomb tests and yeah. stuff. Just like in Australia, like out of sight, out of mind, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, and it's gross. <clears throat> You sicken me, human beings. No. <laughs> um, yeah, but- like, no, don't back to- down from that one. That's- <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess, no, I'd, I'd, I'd sort of, I believe like a, a test or something like that, but I don't think it's an animal. Yeah, mm. look, I Colonel? think uh, the, the idea of like a, a deep Cthulhu or like Leviathan creature is something that just appeals to, to humans. Like it's- you know, it, it's the same, you know, whether it's like, you know, the forest people or it's space mm. or underwater things. Like it's, it's uh, you know, like a like a mythos that, that we like to, to keep and, and, and think about. So, I think that uh, it's a cool idea, but um, attributing it to like an underwater creature is kind of preposterous. Like, mm. it sort of seems- so what uh, what theory are you backing? Are you with the military testing one as well? I or? think that we're gonna that we're gonna see in this next section here that you read out that it coincides with like uh, an atomic bomb test or some kind of man made uh, testing of you know or or you know some kind of man made thing. I think yeah. Like, yeah. In the late noughties, Noah discovered the bloop was an ice quake. Most of the other most of the other weird sounds, such as upsweep and Julia, have also been linked to ice quakes or ice carvings, and wow. some are underwater volcanic or seismic activity. What's an ice quake? I dare say it sounds like a great like icy pole. No, that's that's sections of uh, Antarctica or um, the Arctic breaking away because we're taking such good care of the planet, and, <laughs> and, and, and that's a good thing. Like no. I mean, it's it a makes, bad thing, isn't it? I think the science is still out on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it makes for a good soundtrack. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, 
Very few of the sounds remain unidentified, but yeah, they uh, repeatedly have found evidence that these are yeah ice quakes or ice carvings. So gl- they're glaciers uh, heading into the ocean, or they're parts of the Arctic Shelf um, breaking off, or the Antarctic uh, ice shelf. Isn't it funny that like the sound, like when it's sped up so we can hear, it just sounds like bloop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. like that's so cute. There goes yeah. your, but it's there, the planet goes your yeah. ice shelf. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my God. Noah's Bob Ziak confirmed that the bloop was an earthquake, an ice quake, and hinted that no one at Noah had really believed the giant animal theory. Quote, the frequency and time duration characteristics of the bloop signal are consistent and easily essentially identical to ice quake signals we've recorded off Antarctica. We began an acoustic survey of the Bransfield Strait and Drake Passage in 2005, which lasted until 2010. It was in analysis of these recent acoustic data that became clear that the sounds of ice breaking up and cracking is the dominant source of natural sound in the Southern Ocean. Each year, there are tens of thousands of what we call ice quakes created by the cracking and melting of sea ice and ice carving of glaciers into the ocean. And these signals are very similar in character to the bloop. Mm. What has led to a lot of the misperception of the animal origin sound of the bloop is how the sound is played back. Typically, it's played at 16 times normal speed, which makes it sound like an animal vocalization of some sort. However, when the sound is played in real time, it has more of a quake sound to it, similar to thunder. Meanwhile, Dr. Fox, who started the giant animal theory, was appointed director of NOAA in 2002 and held the position until his retirement in 2013. Wow. And I couldn't find anything... Where Dr. Fox just kind of like walked it all back or when I was just having a laugh or anything, I feel like he kind of shot his mouth off and they've just put him back in the <laughs> cupboard later on and go, yeah, you're not going to talk about this thing to the media anymore. He's like the Fox Mulder of the underwater like yeah. uh, acoustics division. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> there, uh, and I, a really interesting one, that one, because it, because it does have a very clear end ending to it. But there's a brief period of time and everyone was just throwing all these ideas out there. And it gets to a lot of things about kind of what you were saying, Colonel, that, uh, you know, it touches on folklore. It touches on science and, the, and a limited understanding of the ocean. And there's always these theories around the things we don't understand. That's where gods came from in, in yeah. ancient civilizations. So, when we have this huge body of water that we that is the majority of the planet and we don't fully understand it and then this kind of thing happens this is how like our ancestors made folklore basically we, yep. we tried to find something to explain it in the natural environment or from our limited cultural understandings yep. and it's we the come world up- fish yeah, yeah. everybody yeah. bow down to the world fish and we how? come up with cthulhu or we come up with yeah. you know undiscovered whale species which is you know not a giant leap really yeah or jesus or or fish jesus yeah um how crazy like i mean just as a bit of a behind the scenes in terms of like usually before we record we um put together like a funny sponsor kind of thing and we were like riffing on like climate change and how it affects the ocean and stuff and then all these sponsors are actual sponsors okay yeah (laughs) Ruin the illusion. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the Colonel's famous kayfabe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's you just hear that stuff, and it's just so disappointing, isn't it? Like, oh, good. No, we did that. Too. Yeah, yeah. A lot uh, of sheer fuckery. Like, a lot of this podcast is just uh, showing how awful 
humans are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just in different ways every it episode. Is. This yeah. one you're like, oh, it's a cool romantic folklore thing you're banging on about there, Doc. Oh, caused by climate change. Yeah. Yep. There's the sad punchline to the end of it. And I think uh, maybe something pertinent to end on, climate change is real, I believe. Yes, and we don't need to do a can you believe it on that. No. Thanks for listening. You can find the sources for this attached to the Spotify episodes, plus in various other places, wherever we put it. And uh, we will promise never to be serious ever again. Oh. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And see you next what time. A spicy little ending on that. Just stewing. If you don't believe in climate change, oh, enjoy. <laughs> <laughs>